Polo and Pan are Paul Armand Delisle and Alexander Grinspan, a French house and electronic duo focused on upbeat, immersive and engaging electronica. Often playful, inspiring and positive, Polo and Pan are influenced by sounds and traditions from around the world. You're tuned into Roots to Grooves. It is good to be back. I am Jesse. Sitting across from me is the founder of Signal Radio, Dre Purcell. Hello, everybody. How are you doing? Good to see everyone. Yes. Hear everyone again. Not hearing anyone else apart from Jesse right now. Yeah. Good, head. just the way I like it. Just <laughs> Dre in my ears. And my headphones are like cutting in and out. Time to buy some new headphones, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, man. These are trusty ones. These are like DJ ones I got. And they're cool. Side note already, you can actually replace each part of them. So if hmm. one of them breaks, you can just get a replacement headphone. That's why I bought them. They're like modular headphones. Okay. Anyway, yeah. We can mix and match. and <laughs> Exactly. It's like Instead a PC of... and you can update it and have better parts. I guess, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, but you know if it's Jesse and Jay, it's Roots to Grooves, guys. Welcome back. Thank you for being here. We're talking about polo and pan. Yeah. Not polo t-shirts. Right. Not Peter Pan, but in a way, Peter Pan. Not the real Peter Pan. Not that of cartoon. His, of history. Right. <laughs> is, is there a real Peter Pan? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> we're talking about Polo and Pan, uh, a super cool French duo, yeah. electronic duo. It's electronic music. It's house music. It's got some tropical flair. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, I don't know, yeah, synth pop, world music, you could say. Yeah. Um, a lot of it's very kind of bubbly and upbeat yeah. and kind of fun. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of lighthearted vibes a lot of the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and just very good. Yeah. I think I heard it in a coffee shop one day and it was a Shazam type situation. Yeah. Okay. Eventually went back and listened to him. Do you know which track you heard? I or? think it, I think it was, I think it was Canopy or Annie Cooney. Okay. They're one of their bigger tracks. Yeah. Just, we just opened with Canopy, by the way, everyone, if you heard the full track. Yeah. So I think that was kind of my introduction to them. Yeah. It might it may very well have been that song. So mm. just great song, cool vocals on it. Yeah, yeah. Um and it's just a good vibe all the way around. It makes you feel good. It makes me feel good. That's why I was connecting yeah, yeah. to it. Definitely, yeah. So yeah, these guys are cool. What do you know about them, Jay? Um I had not heard of them at all before. Listened to a few of their tracks. Uh still not really anything familiar there, I don't think. But um right. good dependable, like yeah house music dance music mm -hmm. down tempo-y um a lot of complicated things going on um in the realm of other like french electronic duos that i like obviously daft punk air um and even outside of french duos but electronic duos in general like uh chemical brothers a little bit mm -hmm. i know chemical brothers maybe get this bad rap because they had this one famous song that was on matrix or whatever but Oh, but as a duo, they've done a lot of great like electronic stuff. Ray and Christian is like another uh, duo out of the UK, but um, just reminds me of all those sorts of uh, things. Right, the electronic totally. duo, yeah. And it's, so it's like Paul Armand Delille, right? There's one of the guys in Polo and Pan. Polo, he's yeah. Polo, and Alexandra 
Grinzapan? Grinzapan? I'm sorry. I'm messing up that I, last I've name. I've been saying Grinzapan. Grinzapan, okay. Rolls off the tongue that way. Who's Peter Pan or Pan. And I guess we'll get into their backstory later. But basically, these were their DJ names, right? Yeah. Um, they were just kind yeah. of in the same French scene. Yeah. Being DJs, they were successful DJs. Yeah. Both of them isolated, doing their own thing. And yeah. they just kind of were in the same scene, met each other. Yeah. Like you said, we'll get into it. But that was yeah. uh, where their, name, their names come from. Yeah, so Polo Corp was Paul's DJ name. Which sounds more like a corporate yeah. <laughs> corporate business, I don't know. Yeah, and Peter Pan, or just Pan for Alexandra, or mm-hmm. Alex as he goes by. It's interesting DJ names, so, I don't yeah. know about that, but... <laughs> if it works, it works. Yeah, and they, uh, so they've been releasing music, what, since 2013? Right? Yeah, about, just about the last 10 years. Yeah. So they have a few, a couple of EPs out, only yeah. two full-length LPs out. Yeah. Um, not to say only, like it's not a lot. They're they're very robust, good releases. Yeah. And they've toured. They did tour US. I think they played Coachella, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, they did. Some yeah, um, which is one of their biggest things. They were supposed to play the Hollywood Bowl, but that got cancelled because of COVID. I mm-hmm. heard. So they were sort of like on this trajectory of coming up, and then. You know, they were one of those. I think 2019 was Coachella, and then after that, it was like, oh, nothing. two years of nothingness, <laughs> you know, as for everyone else. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so started out with EPs and singles, the two albums, like you said, um, the touring, no sort of awards or anything that I've seen about. Um, yeah, I mean, like, like you yeah. kind of uh, mentioned, they're, they're still yeah. on their come up right now, right. I think. Yeah, yeah. Like they're just. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I was going to make a dumb joke, but I'm just going to pass it by. <laughs> okay. But... <laughs> we have to say it now. We can edit it out no, if you want. <laughs> no, I, it's it's too late. It's too late. I'm going to embarrass myself. Moment's gone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I know just a cool, super cool group. Yeah. I think Alex is a little bit more extroverted. Yeah. And, and like in his DJ sets too, he's more about the performing aspect and like yeah. bombastic energy and like getting the crowd in, engaged and involved. Yeah. And then... Um, Paul is more of the, he's a little bit more introverted, a little bit more yeah. into like the gear and making sure everything sounds the way it should and working. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're really complimentary yeah. to each other. Yeah, that's so really, one tr- interesting thing I found about them is like, it's kind of their opposites complement each other. Yeah. Like, in that way, which I guess is for every collaboration, maybe. I don't know. I mean, it, <laughs> but like. Yeah, no, in a different no, way. Everyone no. has a, it's a unique relationship in every different band or duo or whatever relationship. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, just a cool example of, of seeing two people working together with different strengths and different ideas and perspectives and putting those two together yeah. to make something that's truly greater than what they would be doing by themselves. Right. And yeah. I think they both recognize that. And through the interviews and stuff that I've read, they're very, you know, aware of that and very grateful to, to be a part of this. Yeah, because um, because to an extent it was it was brought to them by the people. You know, people responded to their music and yeah, and people wanted to help um, help them create more tracks and and go on the tour and and release the stuff and get it published and everything. So they had yeah. a lot of people behind them. Yeah, um, and they're really grateful for that. So yeah, yeah, cool duo, cool music. Yeah, happy to be talking about Polo and Pan. So we're gonna spin back in time right now. Where are we going? How far back? We're gonna play a track off of their very first release, an EP called Revolta, 2013. So it's a pretty pretty important track for them. One of the first that was really recognized. They yeah. they put together yeah. 
you know, did originally original music yeah. and first polo and pan. So let's get it. Revolta by Polo and Pan off of their debut release, debut EP, Revolta, Very 2013. Good. It's great. A little uh, time signature change up in the middle there, right? Yeah, I think yeah. so. That's something I heard about them as well. They said they like to always uh, do something different in a song kind of thing. Mm -hmm. like they like to have a, a moment where it sort of like changes up, yeah. goes in a different direction sort of Like thing. specifically? Uh, yeah, like one of their actual things they do <laughs> yeah and yeah. and furthermore we could talk about it more later but like they yeah. kind of build the songs like a like it like they're doing a screenplay for a movie like yeah. like really building a blueprint for how they want the parts to go and kind of where they want the energy to be yeah. and then kind of you know build those sections and put it all together like a puzzle yeah, yeah. so very cool and and just to say that they're really doing it um they're really you know engineering it yeah like, i keep using this word engineering but yeah. they're they're really creating it and like with a plan and they're right. going into it with a plan. So I like it. Yeah, yeah. Um, for that for that reason alone, just the the workflow aspect of how they're creating it. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Definitely. So where do these guys come from? Um, we got Paul, who is po known as Polo, and Alex Alexandra. They're the two guys that make up Polo and Pan. Mm -hmm. um, I def I definitely have more on on Polo. Yeah, me too. I think, oh, uh, <laughs> well, because the thing, Alexander, there's like one interview I think they did when they were in Vegas. On, it's on YouTube. It's like a short three-minute video. Uh, one of the only times I've seen Alexander speak, mm -hmm. um, he actually speaks English pretty well, but he says mm -hmm. that he's not really confident in it. And so I think when it comes time to do a lot of these remote interviews that have been done over like the last couple of years, it's Paul yeah. is the one that's just there by himself. <laughs> right. That's what I was yeah. coming across too. Yeah. Which is cool. Cause I mean, he will talk about some of it, I'm sure, but like his history is like really interesting and right. crazy, but I, but I don't really know much about Alexandria other than he was born in Paris. That's all I know okay. right now, but well, and, then we're on the same page. And then when he intersects with, uh, Paul later on and then there's thing. more yeah. at that point yeah yeah but same yeah. thing yeah some yeah. of these interviews were not in English so yeah. I was cut off from really comprehending a lot of that a lot of uh, translating articles into Google which has actually become better than many years ago mm -hmm. actually the translation actually is makes sense yeah for what I read at least I think I could be making <laughs> things up now I don't know it's getting better yeah keep it up Google <laughs> uh da -da -da -da. so where do we want to go well, so Paul, um, he is like, his mother's American, right? From New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And his dad is French from Normandy. And Paul himself was born in Normandy. Right. Um, his dad at one point, like, so there's like a family farm, I think. And his dad, though, when he was younger, went to the US and studied at Harvard, which is crazy. Right. Places. 
And it was uh, on a trip to New York at some party that he met um, Paul's mum. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you heard the story, but the, their families actually intersected way earlier than that. Did you hear this story? I don't know if I told? did. So basically, um, uh, Paul's mum's family went to France, like his grandparents, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not like we're not going to talk about the specifics. I think they were doing different things over there. But like at one point, they were invited by his dad's family to visit the house kind of thing. I'm not sure how these people met. It was just kind of like a random thing. But apparently Paul said there's a photo, family photo, where his... Oh, I, yeah, I, yeah. Did, I did come across that. That's This is really crazy. Yeah, so there's this photo where Paul's dad is like one years old in the photo and he's next to Paul's grandma on his mum's side and his grandma is pregnant with Paul's mum, if that makes sense. Well, no, it's like <laughs> it almost doesn't make sense. There might it, be a bit simpler way of explaining that, but like he explained it very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interview. No, I think um, you did uh, yeah. an astute job. Okay. Very good. Um, and yeah, and I think so. That's probably like maybe years later, um, you know, because Paul's dad was French, didn't really know anyone. Maybe, right. maybe it was like, oh, you should go link up with this person in New York. We met them years ago, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like um, they hit it off. Um, they eventually all moved back to France to Normandy because uh, after Paul's dad finished at Harvard, instead of like, kind of carry on on with anything like that he basically took over the family farm um, yeah so he was like yeah it's like a yeah. super smart dude just yeah. working on a farm said he was the most it's like an educated farmer paul yeah of, yeah educated farmer <laughs> hey those um, a lot of farmers yeah. are educated though like yeah it's a science how, how to grow stuff and everything so that's crazy yeah and i don't know like the it sounds like it's kind of a fancy like mansion style house in normandy that this mm-hmm. family has and all that kind of stuff so yeah um, his parents though did break up, um, when he was like 11 years old, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just real quick. I was yeah. going to touch on the mom cause she's kind of, she was from New Jersey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and she has some kind of musical background and she was really mm-hmm. pushing, not pushing it, but, um, uh, influencing him just cause through yeah. her love of music. And Paul was picking up on that and, yeah. she, and she was teaching her a lot of things. Like she went to Woodstock. Right. You know, like the original yeah. Woodstock. Yeah. She saw the Doors play back then. Right. Um, so she just had this all this interest in musical culture that she was putting in Paul's head. Yeah. Which I think really set the stage for him. Yeah. And his musical perspectives. Yeah. And on his dad's side, like he said, both his dad and his grandfather on his dad's side uh, play guitar. Mm-hmm. And he said they're really good. And right. they, they even, like, I think... Either his dad or his granddad went to Brazil at some point and mm-hmm. like was really listening to a lot of the Brazilian music over there and so he can actually play a lot of those sort of like traditional Brazilian tunes on the guitar yeah. and stuff like that. And you yeah, you could definitely hear yeah. the um the what do you call it, like the not the samba, but the that the flamenco guitar. Yeah, yeah. Um I mean yeah. even in that canopy, the first track I think it had that yeah. Um that kind of Spanish style guitar. What do, what what's the other word? Like um, like Bossa Nova style. Yeah, kinda. Bossa Nova, yeah. So yeah. yeah. Um, this is you can see where he's learning these stylings and putting starting to put these first puzzle yeah. pieces together about how he wants to go about making music in the future yeah uh so i have that yeah they divorced when he was 11 and he moved in with his mother mm-hmm. with his mom yeah um and then until until he was 18 he moved back with his dad in paris yeah was that yeah that and then got? at that point he studied business um at college mm-hmm. college slash university i think in yeah. paris um and then i mean that's when he started uh working on some music he, he started yeah. pretty late 
Yeah. And we're talking about Paul here. Yeah. Specifically. Yeah. Like in his, um, like, 20s, right? Yeah. Like, he, yeah. I mean, I think before then he maybe dabbled in guitar because his, like, dad and grandfather Certainly, did. Certainly, yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, in terms of electronic music uh, and making his own things, it was in his 20s. And it was kind of like before he graduated from college mm -hmm. uh like he said he he got into um like ej was a piece of software that he mentioned i think it was called ej yeah just like a yeah. super rudimentary yeah sounds like early audio workstation yeah it sounds like early fruity loops where basically he said it came with like a bunch of its own built-in samples mm -hmm. that's just kind of how he started like making tracks out of those built-in samples yeah and then he'd find like uh, commercially available sample packs back in the day you could buy like the cds and stuff like that mm -hmm. and so he just basically for the longest time was just purely using stock samples to like put together tracks and and djing as well he said he got a couple of turntables so he started getting into vinyl djing and mm -hmm. he had all this kind of setup going and said he smoked a lot of weed in these days and he was just like you know on it getting yeah. stoned and djing and putting uh, samples together on the computer and stuff like that. And yeah, just kind of vibing out. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, the other thing I wanted to say about Paul, like, I don't mean to just interject right there, but he's just really about the energy. Like all, yeah. all the interviews he's talking about, the energy of this or the energy of the music mm -hmm. or, you know, the energy of how he's feeling. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that I just I like that perspective of how he's thinking about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, because yeah. because, yeah, he was smoking a lot and I guess he, it's not really part of his process anymore. Yeah, he said, yeah, yeah. So now he writes sober. Yeah, um, a lot of exactly. And just smokes if he's partying occasionally mm -hmm. or something like that. But yeah. He was drinking a Heineken on one of those interviews, though, I think. Yeah, so, so uh, Heineken yeah. Toolboy. Yeah, it looked yeah. like it was like, <laughs> I don't know, it looked like it was a morning time. But hey, <laughs> he's a partier. I like I don't it. Know. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, and then, it, I mean, he's, he's, he really went into depth in this one interview mm -hmm. um, that we might post a link to somewhere because actually someone commented on a mount kimby video recently that our episode of mount kimby they said it was really interesting because there's like not that much information out there about mount kimby and right. they were like they suggested that we share our sources for our information so oh nice. maybe that's something we should compile at some point because there is if you're into like you know what we're talking about here there are like some a lot of the videos we watch and the articles we read are really you know they do it justice. They go in depth. I think. You know? Yeah, we just we're just touching yeah. on these to, to yeah. get across because we're trying yeah. to, you know, to create a community here and learn yeah. and yeah. grow as musicians yeah, and yeah. as fellow yeah. content creators that our audience hopefully is. Yeah, and I haven't frankly seen uh, as in depth uh, interview as the one with Paul and I mm -hmm. forget who did it. Uh, it's this channel. Oh, I don't remember the name, but <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll post it in the comments we'll on it, the yeah. on the videos or the reels that we There's post. There's a clip up on the video now, little image. Of that. Now you can go that. straight yeah, to exactly. it because it really is a yeah. really good interview, and it goes really in depth into their process of going from not yeah. making music to coming up into music and, and yeah. meeting Polo and Pan together and creating yeah. what yeah. they what they've done now. So yeah, and so I guess to like skip a little bit through Paul's history, like. He had a stint of living in San Francisco for a while, which I, which is kind of important part of the story because he, I th well, he, he like managed, he was like, based, before that, he, in France, he entered into a record label mm -hmm. and then he interned for Microsoft. And then after that, there was like some startup that wanted to find someone to build a business in the US. Mm -hmm. It was a French company. 
and they were looking for someone that had a passion for music and had an American passport. Yeah. And that basically was Paul, you know, his mum being American, he had the American passport, totally into music. And he had this like weird, unique contract set up where they basically sent him to San Francisco, paid him like three grand a month. He mm -hmm. said that was his salary, gave him this big office. There was no one else there. He said like the people from the company never came over to check in on what he was doing. And he just basically set up his turntables and everything, all his music gear in his office in San Francisco and was making beats and tunes whilst also helping to build this business, which I forget, I think it was like some kind of software or something DJ related. So he was, yeah, he said he was never good at, uh, never, never a good salesman, he said, but he said he was good at marketing and because he had a passion about the product, he was able to actually like mm -hmm. get the business moving in terms of selling product and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think uh, that, that, that touches on his, his perspective of being like in the, the, the gear, the specifics of how something can work and be engineered and the yeah, intricacies yeah. of how yeah. it works rather than the, the outside marketing, like the vision. Yeah. Um, uh, and so she's just kind of going from that interview introverted kind of energy. And yeah. before, before we go too far into the, into the future and the narrative, um, we're still kind of talking about he he's basically discovering the elect electronic music scene mm -hmm. during this these college times yeah in between interning at these jobs i believe is that right um yeah yeah like, like we're just talking about over a little couple years a yeah. bit of time um but yeah he worked in some summer camps in new hampshire i also saw where he picked up guitar right um i mean like just more guitar i guess and he yeah. was learning some chords and new skills um and then it was versatile records where he right, interned where he interned yeah French and then, like I said, woman. went yeah. to uh, Microsoft. Um, but I think, I, I don't know exactly where it is, but what I want to say is he was listening to Moon Safari. Yeah, yeah. And he was, this is during that time when he was smoking. And I think it's a really kind of poignant moment for him because he brought it up multiple times. Yeah. Specifically, we're talking about Air, the French duo, their, with the really all, awesome album called Moon Safari. Just Safari. Their debut album, I think. I yeah. think that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he really fell in love with it. Yeah. Just the vibe, the the esoteric mm -hmm. sound that they created, how it just kind of takes you away and elevates you. And I think, yeah. you know, there's a really brilliant album. It's one of my favorite albums mm -hmm. I think, of all time. There's some really great tracks on there and bass lines that, you know, crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah highly recommend. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. So you're right. That's what really spoke to Paul and my. It was like, how can I make music like that? Like, yeah, you know, um, and that was really like the genesis yeah. or like the catalyst that made him want to create original music yeah. i believe yeah but then it was yeah so like doing the messing around with samples on the computer said he was only really sharing that with friends and not really pushing it mm -hmm. out but the djing sort of took more of a front stage kind of thing in his life as a way to make money from music um and also because he enjoyed it and getting into the electronic music scene and i think one of the pivotal things was when he was in san francisco he managed to get like DJing around town sort of thing. And mm -hmm. he managed to build up quite a following because he was, it was kind of exotic for this French DJ to be in town in San Francisco. And he, he kind of mentioned this specifically where that helped him then when he went back to Paris because people in Paris were like, oh, he's been in San Francisco DJing at all these big clubs. And so it helped him, propelled him a little bit further. Just made and, him seem a little, a yeah. little more clout about him, a yeah, little cooler. Yeah. Oh, he's a foreign. He's international. Exactly. So that's a good thing to do is uh, go go be foreign somewhere like me in America. <laughs> yeah. I mean, people do your thing and then go back home and they'll be like, oh. 
It's yeah. fun for people because yeah. it's, it's interesting. You have a different yeah. perspective of where you came from. And yeah. I think if people realize that, no, I could learn something from Jay because he is a, he came from somewhere else. Yeah, yeah I guess. You yeah. know, yeah. I don't know. But yeah, anyway, yeah. so yeah, so he's basically at Microsoft. Yeah. Well, so he, he only interned there and then San Francisco was a different thing. Well, uh, where are we at in the timeline? Uh, after what Microsoft next com French company which I don't know the name of that's what he was in San Francisco for because it sounded like when he worked for Microsoft he was still in France like they must have some office out there or something right. like that, that he was doing okay um, so you know yeah. um, I think we might have come across the same interview you know the story where he met that the crazy lady or the the, the super yeah, yeah the powerful yeah. mystical yeah. lady right yeah so I don't know. I guess, oh, I don't know. so that I think was in between Microsoft and going to San Francisco. Okay, so I that's think. like kind of right yeah. in between. Yeah. Again, we're not. Sorry you, about not. Do you, do you want to mention it though? Because it's kind of interesting. I think. Like. I mean, yeah, lady. I think it is yeah. pretty interesting. Um, so I don't know. I was just based off this interview. Paul was talking about this time in his life, and he he just said there was a, a lot of energy at this time. Again, back to the kind of energy and vibes that this guy's thinking about. Um, and he was just saying like a lot of good things, like he was meeting people, he was getting opportunities and there was just a lot of good energy pushing him towards doing music on his own. Mm -hmm. Um, like everything, everything was lining up and helping him out you can call it like serendipity or whatever you want. Um, but I guess he came across, I I mean, I, I, he did mention that he said a prayer basically he prayed to God Yeah. Mm -hmm. and he said like, what am I doing? What should I do? Mm -hmm. Give me a sign basically. And around right around this time, like very recently after he found a book called The Alchemist, yeah. some I can't remember the author, mm -hmm. but I've heard of this book and it's very cool. Okay, and yeah. I, I guess he's he's basically. I'm I'm trying to like distill the whole book into like a short passage, but basically it's like, yeah, it, it's like manifesting and like you can make things happen that you want to happen, and the the universe is on your side to help you do what you want to do. Yeah, like the world shows you signs. If you're open to seeing the signs, right. you'll realize the, the the world is helping you achieve whatever it is you want to achieve. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's what the entirety of the book is about. It might, it might be. I mean, but, I think there's a plot like a, and a yeah. protagonist or okay. whatever. It's just like a story. Yeah, I've not okay. read this book. Me neither. No. Um, but, it, but almost like a parable. Okay. You know, like yeah, yeah. here's an example or anecdotal situation of how you can manifest and, and move throughout life. Yeah. You know? So hopefully that may that makes sense because we are kind of talking about some esoteric stuff. Yeah. Um, but so he came across there and then he he came across that book and I'm sorry I can't speak today. Mm. Um, after that he he met this girl this woman and he was yeah. like seeing her I think they were dating for a couple months. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know the specifics of how they met or anything, but he said they she was kind of like a guardian angel mm -hmm. presence and she was like pushing him to do music and she's just had a lot of energy about her and she was also doing music and they were working on music together yeah. and she was you know influencing him and she was like you should do this guitar do like this like really pushing him and really giving him specifics on what he should do yeah. um, and she he just said it was she was a very mystical lady and um, they broke up or whatever and she disappeared he doesn't know what happened specifically mm -hmm. and but after that he was on fire mm -hmm. and he was just like energy was good he was meeting people he was making things happen in his career yeah. getting dj gigs everything was lining up for him yeah. and he was really like felt a new momentum mm -hmm. moving forward into the future as an artist yeah yeah so cool another poignant moment for paul yeah and 
I think around right around this time this is when he started going to Liberian, mm-hmm. the club where he met Alex. Yeah. And I think it's a little uh, fuzzy because he did also say about the whole, uh, there was this um, big 40,000 square foot warehouse mm-hmm. that, um, that Paul and a bunch of other people moved into like on sort of the outskirts of Paris kind of thing. Um, and it was all around the same time when he was, yeah, there was this like club called Le, Le Baron, right? That's it, yeah. Le Baron. Le Baron uh, in Paris, which had a lot of uh, resident DJs there. Um, it was like, uh, sounds like a really sort of interesting place musically. Because um, mm-hmm. I think there was one story where like, uh, like the club owner saw a bunch of people in, come in the club that really didn't like, fit it seemed like they were sort of poses or whatever kind of thing and he told the djs to like play something really obscure and weird to make them leave kind of thing mm-hmm. <laughs> i think it was either alex uh, it might have been alex that was doing this and he was like that's the first time any like club owners told me to like make people leave like, <laughs> like do the opposite yeah and so like and they've both said like they were able to like really go through electronic music but at the right time bring in like old french pop or like mm-hmm. rolling stones like all if it made sense in the mix kind of thing. Um, right. And, uh, but yeah, so I think I, there was this weird story of Paul playing guitar before he DJed. He was like playing guitar in the entryway of this place, Le Baron, mm-hmm. as people were coming in and he was just doing like Rolling Stones covers, Rolling Scones, Rolling Scones. Yeah, I want a Rolling Scone. I want a Rolling Scone. Yeah, Rolling Stones covers, all that sort of stuff. And then just in the doorway of the club as people were coming in, I think, um, at the same time, he was DJing in other places, um, but he, he eventually like spoke to the owners and he was like, "Hey, you know, can you let me come and DJ here at Labora?" Yeah. <laughs> but and, and he said about Alex, it sounded like he was kind of maybe a little bit intimidated by him or something like that because Alex already had a following and he was like really technically proficient and stuff like that. Yeah, he was a good DJ. Yeah, and and Paul said at that point he never really sort of. He, you know, he's an introvert, like you said. He'd never really sort of put himself out there and, like, you know, introduced himself. Like, although he had a bit of bravado to, like, you know, get get the DJ gig at Le Baron, I think. Yeah, but, right. Um, but yeah, this whole whilst this all this was happening, he moved into this big warehouse with a bunch of other people, and they had like they built apartments in this warehouse themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had this big empty space downstairs, which every two weeks they said they threw these big techno parties that would like rage for basically three days um like 36 hour parties d de- non-stop djs yeah. massive party scene and i like i did hear although paul knew alex from le Baron, it sounded like they didn't actually really speak until one of these parties at this warehouse kind of thing right as they were like watching some dj kind of rage yeah. at like 2 p.m in the morning <laughs> so yeah. it was like 2 p.m in the afternoon i mean yeah, yeah. The, the morning just goes into the evening again these yeah. parties were going so long and sounds fun and the funny thing is though because we were talking about yeah paul's age at this point he was like 32 33 mm-hmm. and you know he said his parents were like what are you doing like with your life and i think he was kind of thinking that as well it's like well mm-hmm. i don't know you know I don't know, just crazy shit. Like that sounds like a whole. I mean, thing, you know? but he was deep into the French electronic scene. Yeah, you know, yeah. with yeah. with these other people, and Alex was there, and he was working with these other DJs, and they're starting to collaborate and doing remixes and doing what DJs do, you know, playing shows and stuff. Yeah. Um, but it was just eventually, 
I think he started working with Alex and he was working with other people. It wasn't like a super special thing yet. He was just trying to work with these different people in the scene. Yeah. Um, but he noticed that there was a little bit of a standout with Alex. Like it just seemed like he was really good. Yeah. Their, their vibe was good. Mm -hmm. It was, it was easy to create with him. Yeah. And so it kind of, he was like, okay, maybe I should settle down and like, we should work on this project. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And I think Paul at that point had been doing producing for other people. He said kind of musically when they both got together, um, Alex had just started to sort of put demos together in Ableton. Whereas uh, Paul had already kind of started to collect a few instruments, had built himself a little recording studio and was already producing uh, tracks for like other artists, like mm -hmm. writing. And at one point even went to Morocco with this band and like recorded a bunch of like Moroccan musicians. It sounded like he was like more of like the engineer on that project. But it's a project he talks about a lot because he was really proud of it and when he played it to other people, including Alex, they were like, oh, this is, you know, kind of, that's where I think where the world music angle started to really like come in more yeah. and inspire both of them because they were like, oh, look what's possible like with these different sort of textures and sounds and stuff like that. And yeah. That like, organic that recording technique and like, yeah. Like totally. Yeah. A hundred percent agree. I think it was another kind of important moment for them. Yeah. Cause I think he, he's, he's exploring. He's like, what should yeah. I do? Am I a DJ? Do I want to produce? Like in his head, and he doesn't even know what he's thinking about yet at this time. Yeah. It's a little fuzzy. He's coming out of his smoking days. Right. Maybe. So Easy. He's like seeing things a little more clear. He's got a bigger idea. Yeah. His, mom, his mom's like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, so they started making a bunch of demos. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. They just had a bunch of ideas circulating around. Yeah. Um. I just I'm, I'm getting the vibe that maybe we should play a track right now. Yeah, yeah. Before we, we get too far, far. We spent a lot talking about Paul's earliest, but I think it's really fascinating. It is, and, uh, and, and his story is more. It's very online. So online is that what the kids are saying these days? I think that's what they're saying. And what his, does that mean? Like I don't, available. Available. It's more readily uh, available. Okay, that's what that means. I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing. You guys tell us. Like your whole history is online. Like. Yeah, you're very online. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't know. That's weird, yeah. Another side note, yeah. If you could Google your grandfather right now and see like Facebook pictures of him getting drunk in like the 1960s Yeah, when or he's whenever, in college or, yeah, or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> uh, that'd be a trip. But in the future, our grandchildren will be able to see that. Maybe. Maybe. Delete. Exactly. Delete. Yeah, delete. Let's go. Delete. <laughs> um, let's play this track off of Caravel, their very first album. Pilo and Pan. Yes. Um, uh, I believe that Jesse informed me that you pronounced this Nanya. Is that right? I'm not sure. I know there's that little squiggly thing above the A. Okay. That makes, I don't know. I don't, I, no comment. All right. We'll just play it. <laughs> Thank you. 
as Polo and Pan Nanya or Nana, however you want to pronounce that. You Nana. can check that out on Caravel, their very first album, debut album, uh, twenty seventeen. I think that came out. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, yeah, very good. I like that track because it it's obviously hearkening back to like those vocal stylings of like the Beach Boys or the Beatles in the sixties, kind of beachy, but then yeah, um, you know, obviously very housey. Yeah, and and you know techno-y or electronic yeah and just seeing just feeling getting to experience those two vibes in the same track mm -hmm. is a cool experience would you say there's any similarities with polish ambassador i mean yeah yeah I thought about it a little bit because i think polish ambassador does a little i would agree world music electronica he doesn't have those that kind of world music vibe yeah and also kind of um Sorry about this airplane. Oh, this is, I guess uh, we'll just pause our podcast. This is the, uh, what do you call them? The, oh, the, it's the air show? It's the air show. The seafair? Yeah. What do they call them? The, the Blue Angels? The Blue Angels? Yeah. Is that them? They are flying overhead in formation around the studio for the next three days. I had them, um, I had them scheduled to fly over during our podcast. Yeah, yeah. Seafair in Seattle. Uh, come down, but by the time this is out, <laughs> it will be over. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're if you're a time traveler, come yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, where were we? Um, so the first album. Yeah, they well they so they met at Le Baron. They started DJing. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they ever DJed together. Did they like back in the day, or they just start, they made music? I think it was like, all just kind of happening in the same around yeah. general time period. They might have done yeah. a couple shows together, but it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, I think they were working together, but the thing is that. People started to, they had tracks like Revolt, Revolta, or what is it called? Yeah, Revolta. Yeah. And people were interested in it and their friends liked it. Yeah, and, yeah. And people in their scene right. were like, that's dope. We want to release it. Yeah. And so this is where the people, like their team kind of was coming into play. Yeah. That they built their fans, their friends, yeah. their scene, who they were working with. And uh, people were like, let's release this. Let's, yeah. let's help you push it out. And basically they were like, but we need a name. You guys need a name. Right. And and at this point they were like, we weren't even trying to be a band yeah. or or an artist unit in any way. We've just been like working together, collaborating. Mm -hmm. These people want us to release something. We need a name. Yeah. And that's that's kind of the genesis of, you know, going going from being two separate artists to being one unit, polo and pan. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's where we really really come home right there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um yeah, and like a lot of resident DJs at this place, I think even a couple of them, uh, the other guys did their album artwork, um, at least for their early EPs, maybe even, I think, the first album, Caravelle, mm -hmm. right? Um, they mentioned... Yeah, no, yeah, you're, you're right. They mentioned this crazy website that these guys, the other DJs there that did the artwork, they put out this website called radio.com, but it's radio with five O's dot com i checked it out it's really interesting it's uh it's a history of music uh right so it's like a repository of yeah. different music it's like it's from different places around the world yeah like you're confronted with a world map and you can uh, cycle back through the years all the way back like to the early 1900s i think mm -hmm. and click on a country and it will like uh play you the music that was popular in that time period right yeah like so. the 30s from yeah, yeah, saudi yeah. arabia right yeah 
or something random. Sixties from uh, France. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. It's really interesting. Um, I mean, yeah, what a cool yeah. idea. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't explore it, but I did. I was yeah. listening to him t- speak about it. And it seems really cool. Yeah, and uh, but um, yeah. Anyway, so that's that. And yeah, I mean, so these guys, they uh, like, real, real yeah, quick because you were t- touching on the art. Yeah. Um, the Polo and Pan's music is very bright. And it's very, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, it's very like a lot of times even hopeful or uplifting. Yeah. Um, and, and it's got that kind of like sunrise energy. Yeah. You know, it's like a sunny kind of bright feel to their music. Yeah. And they also, they match that and they develop that through the art as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but a lot of bright, pretty colors, mm-hmm. high contrast, yeah. just like, you know, bright, positive energy mm-hmm. um, coming from the art. And it matches up with the music and it really creates a whole you know aesthetic and they've done a really great job of building that yeah some of the the artwork i don't know if you ever saw these images but like back in like the 1940s or maybe into the 60s they they held all these like advertisements for like uh vacations or cruise ship things Mm -hmm. um i think when i was a kid like my parents had a book of like these different ones and it's really it's like these bright vibrant primary colors kind of a bit graphic-y abstract graphic-y yeah um like yeah, especially like caravel looks like an abstract beach mm-hmm. with like the horizon and the sun right um and then the cyclorama the later album it's like a what do you call that the uh sand timer thing what do you what's the actual name for that hourglass hourglass yeah it's an hourglass with like it looks like waves in it and but it's all very abstract and, mm-hmm. right but it, yeah, it reminds me of like these old sort of vacation adverts that they would have back in the right. day to promote go to the caribbean no, I, or something like that yeah, yeah i totally see like, where you're coming from yeah yeah um i don't know what that style is called yeah i don't know but uh, i think you're but you hit it nail on the head yeah i could visualize it in my okay. you painted a picture <laughs> in my mind excellent but yeah you talk about the positivity thing and that's something that um they have said because they they paul has said that they try to make music that um is positive and fueled with like nostalgia from childhood mm-hmm. kind of thing. and um and he said it is challenging because they're you know trying to i don't know if we have musicians out there but you know like the major and the minor chords you know if you want to go sad use minor major happy but it can be borderline cheesy if you go too major too happy kind of thing too poppy and so they always, Paul said, they're always trying to sort of keep it positive, but not take it too far in any particular direction, kind of thing. So it just right. sort of stays just off that line of you know cheesy, happy music. You mm-hmm. know, like I don't know, like the the ukulele happy clap music that they play on every uh, ad right. recently. <laughs> yeah, just, just chirpy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Everything's good. Life is perfect. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but, but they they do a really good job of of staying on that line of yeah, like yeah. feeling like upbeat and positive. Yeah. But they will then you know use some minor chords to get some darkness in there and and contrast because again like yeah. we mentioned before they're specifically trying to create moments of change yeah. and like suspense where something happens that you didn't expect to happen in the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the analogy they use for that is uh, yeah, like you said earlier, thinking about it like a movie script mm-hmm. um, and like how you know how when you're watching a movie the tables will turn on the character or something there'll be that that pivotal moment that yeah plot twist yeah Yeah. and 
they're trying to do that in the middle of their tracks like, mm -hmm. as well, which is interesting. Like, it's yeah, a really cinematic yeah. way of thinking about you know audio, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. which is really cool. Because I yeah. think we kind of, as listeners, everybody out there, we're, we all listen to stuff and we experience it like a movie sometimes. Yeah, yeah. 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 Everyone, it's different for everybody with different music and genres, but that's certainly how I have a lot of experiences, you know, kind of listening to it as a, as you're watching something play out, there's a narrative yeah. and sometimes a plot, something's happening. If that's an instrument or a, a vocal or mm -hmm. an idea in the lyrics and yeah. it pops back up through the track, yeah. something happens, the crazy bridge, key change, yeah. and you're on it. Like you feel like you're on an adventure yeah. being told a story, being brought along. Definitely. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, they're, 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 they've created a really well-rounded project mm -hmm. that really is engaging with the audience. Yeah, yeah, so definitely. Props to Polo and Pan. Yeah, and have they even said that they went as far as storyboarding things? Did I see that somewhere? Did you see that? Um, oh. I don't, I mean, basically, I think they do. Yeah. I, I don't know the specifics of how they, what they write down, but yeah. I think they do, yeah. like, basically storyboard. Yeah, yeah. Like, have a rough outline not i don't even yeah. know it must start at the beginning without even chords or anything they're like we want this to be yeah a beat like this and then we'll transition to a beat like this we'll use some major chords at the beginning we'll go to minor chords at the end yeah but just starting the ideas like that right is is the impression that i got but i don't know the specifics of what they yeah like think about and work on yeah because they said yeah it either comes from like a sound or a loop or a sample or a riff a composition basically or an idea yeah mm -hmm. which is like crazy like <laughs> and yeah i guess we're we're yeah. we're diving into the the kind of creative yeah uh, uh, mindset of of polo and pan right now yeah. and and sampling's been something we've continued to bring up obviously these guys are djs mm -hmm. um and and he learned from that ej software he kind of introduced to sample packs yeah mm -hmm. um and basically these guys <coughs> now, like now they're on tour and they don't have time to utilize all these instruments and, and big fancy recording studios mm -hmm. and they have to just use their laptop and pair of headphones. Mm. So what they started doing is making their own sample packs basically uh, yeah. and taking instruments that they've gathered from synths or guitars, all kinds of instruments, flutes I know they mentioned, mm -hmm. and then they'll, they'll sample them themselves and build a whole keyboard patch yeah. so that they can then take that, that MIDI info or that controller and and utilize all of those sounds while they're creating on the road yeah um throughout their tour yeah so they they just like literally create their own sample packs and then sample themselves i think it's similar great music Hauschka, we did an episode a long time ago on i think he did a similar thing but he commercially the, released his as well i think right know? he, he yeah. did the prepared piano right yeah yeah and i think he like yeah he said he'd always wanted to create this type of thing, his own mm -hmm. sample pack, because you don't have all that shit that you can take on the road. And but yeah, Hauschka's one I think you can buy. It's right. uh, I can't remember who released it, but it's out there. Yeah. No, that's a great yeah. point. Yeah. Thanks for dropping that. Yeah, there was one interesting instrument that uh, Polo and Pan mentioned. They have a track called Requiem, mm -hmm. which I think is that on which album's that on? Do we know? Um, Unknown. Let's have a quick uh, look at this. Oh uh, yes, yeah, Requiem off of Cyclorama. Um, they use this instrument called a crystal bachette. Mm. Um, he said it's basically, it, it looks like a xylophone, mm -hmm. um, but it's glass tubes, like clear glass tubes. Mm -hmm. Put a picture on the screen now for the viewers. Whoa. 
and uh, you basically put water on your hands and then like you kind of like pull on the tubes to like create these like droney sounds or whatever. Okay, like like yeah. putting your finger on like a martini yeah, yeah. glass type thing. Yeah, that type of thing. And it makes the tone. Yeah, and because they have different sized like glass tubes, different mm-hmm. tones. Um, it was created in the 1910s um, and they found one and sampled it and used it for the beginning of the track Requiem. Yeah. Nice. And I think that was like kind of the genesis of how that song started it was through that sound and that instrument mm-hmm. and then the rest kind of flowed from there kind of thing um, so again yeah, yeah. And for yeah. other artists like i think i don't know kitranada like yeah like building a sound mm-hmm. and then you can use the sound to get inspired for what the beat's gonna do yeah 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 you know just building building sounds samples yeah a weird sound with an instrument and then it kind of you can use your imagination to, to feel where you want to take the song yeah yeah so very cool yeah, throwback to a couple of episodes that reminds me more of other things. Dropping a lot of references to old episodes, cross promotion, right? Yeah, yeah it's good. Uh, how Flying Lotus builds his own sample libraries as well. I think Flying Lotus was the one I was trying to think of. Yeah, like he'll spend if he don't, if he's not inspired, he'll spend time to just create sounds. Yeah. Also, uh, I uh, we didn't talk about on the Jordan Require episode, but he during lockdown he did a bunch of YouTube tutorials that are invaluable crazy shit by the way um he often starts with drones as well like mm-hmm. all atmosphere so like he'll just start by layering up this crazy atmosphere pad mm-hmm. and then and i've actually tried this technique twice now and it's actually has led me to be inspired to add things to it it's an interesting way of like nice. starting i think it seems like yeah. there's yeah a lot of artists kind of go towards that, that atmosphere yeah, yeah, that, yeah that method yeah um, you know, instead of having like, oh, I just have a random hook idea. Yeah. Let me play this piano part yeah, yeah. and then build a song around it. Right. Just starting more simple and right. more vague. Yeah. And just allowing yourself to like just move into the track. Yeah. And get in the nitty gritty details. Yeah. Yeah. No, but definitely. Yeah. Um, I mean. Yeah. And no, I guess that the other thing that Polo and Pan do is well, they're drawn to like old sounds like 50s and 60s mm-hmm. sort of uh textures and sounds yeah. and so i think the other thing they do in part of their process is to um work on individual sounds that have that vibe so instead of like making the whole track sound 60s they'll just like work on a drum kit or something that has that sound or a mm-hmm. guitar or whatever it is they'll just like work on sort of separate elements i think mm-hmm. And, build, and they also like have sort of demo different ideas and they won't use them straight away. They said a lot of the tracks on both of their albums started from demos that are written like three years before mm-hmm. the album. They sat down to do the album kind of thing. Like, right. So another interesting way of, and I think they might have even resampled some old tracks as well. Like they, they took a beat from an old song and then that was the inspiration for them to do a new song and that's an interesting way of working as well as like using stuff that you've already created. Sampling yourself. Yeah. And and where else you can take that kind of thing. And I mean, I, I like yeah. it. I like the aspect of being self um, sustainable. Like, yeah. I, I don't, I'm going to sample myself. I don't need to yeah. go anywhere else. Like I built stuff that I can sample and use to make other new stuff. Yeah. yeah. Just, you know, a great little ecosystem. Definitely. Yeah, of yeah. Samples and stuff. Yeah. Real quick, I think they use Ableton, Ableton Live. They do for everything. Oh. For their main, yeah, main I don't team. know. That's just, yeah. that's yeah. the info I got for what yeah. they normally use. But I know that there's two different DJs. 
Yeah. I don't know exactly. It just seems like that was the answer. Yeah. Um, and they, they just cited that like the micro sampling capabilities were one of the main draws. Micro sampling. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm not super familiar with what that means. Yeah. But mm -hmm. there you go. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, so they released their first album. Yeah. And they, they go on tour and they're, they're kind of killing it. Yeah. Yeah. And Caraville then, 2017. That was the album. We played a track. Oh, two tracks so far. We opened with Canopy, and, which was a big track for them. Yeah. And Blue Angels. Kind of dope. I wish we could see them. I see. I'm looking at there's people on the roof across from us. Oh, there are. Damn. I wish I want to go up there. <laughs> there is someone on the roof behind me. Let's yeah. finish up this recording and see if we can go meet them up there. Yeah. Um, but so that's their, that was their album. And then... Um, I think, I mean, yeah, so they, they kind of are on tour and stuff and they start making their second album. Yeah. Right? I don't know if that's what we're talking about. Um, yeah, let's go there. They just have a bunch of demos. Yeah. Cyclorama. Yeah, Cyclorama came mm. out 2021. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. So their second full length. Uh, da, 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 da. I think, I mean, yeah, so it's just, it's kind of more of the same stuff. It's more classic polo and pan, the same thing that they were trying to do. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, bright, poppy. Yeah. World house electronic music. Yeah. With a with a positive mes message. Yeah. Yeah. And some of the lyrics are I mean they're obviously in French, some are in English I think, but a lot of lyrics are just talking about like little nuggets of advice and good things, I think. Yeah. Um yeah. which is just totally in line with with where they're coming from and who they are as people. Yeah. Um and it all just matches up. So good stuff. I think uh, I I saw that they they I'm so I'm, I want to bring us back to air for a second because okay. yeah. we're talking about moon safari yeah and so I think they were they were still inspired by this like one of their main inspirations of life practically mm. and so they wanted to get a bunch of instruments from the same instruments that were made to use moon safari mm. so they they tracked down a Rhodes um, a Rhodes a mini Moog Mm -hmm. um, and other like vintage synthesizers they had a 1981 trident mixer mm. Da, 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 and what you're using for effects. Um, but I just thought it was cool they were actually going out and getting the specific pieces of equipment that were made to make one of their favorite albums yeah, that they yeah. were inspired by. Also, didn't they like have compression compressors that used to be owned by the Bee Gees, they said, I think? I didn't hear that. That's yeah, I think I read that somewhere. Cool. It's like, because, you know, like, Bee Gees had that real smooth sound in their heyday and their peak, mm -hmm. right? Uh, 70s. Yeah. Yeah, like kind of disco. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Pop. Yeah, yeah. Vibes. Yeah. Good stuff. The Bee Gees yeah. are very good. Yeah. 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 HBO documentary. I think I mentioned it a long time ago. But oh yeah, I think if you yeah. don't know anything about them, it's interesting because it actually talks about their approach to music as well. Yeah. As well as like all the celebrity bullshit that goes with things, you know. But <laughs> I, I don't think I finished that, but I did. Yeah. I somebody yeah. else recommended that to me too. Right. Yeah. The Bee Gees still got a lot of good energy. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of this stuff still stands up. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, like I was saying, Cyclorama was a collection of a lot of their demos that they had lying around on laptops from their tour and whatnot. And well, they yeah. distilled them down. Yeah, just started working on the ones that seemed to pop out. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess I mean I have a little passage of this. Like Cyclorama seeks to illustrate the stages of life through each piece, hmm. from birth to death, and then transcendence. I think this is a, a Paul quote. Okay. We've tried to make each piece rich enough in the emotions it can provide. Each stage of life can be painful or joyful. It is unique to each one. 
so many pieces uh, navigate between major and minor chords, double meaning of the meaning of the lyrics. Our goal was to question the listener and therefore that our pieces provoke him or a personal feeling, sad or happy. Uh, this is perhaps why our second album is meant to be more adult and more conscious. So I, I hope my reading skills got that message across. Yeah. I feel like I'm dropping words and frame rates in my <laughs> in my brain and stuff. A little bit, but it makes sense. Okay. So that's fine. All right. <laughs> uh, or I just, I'm gonna I just use talk. I'm gonna use that in a, in a sentence. <laughs> I feel like I'm dropping frame rates, yeah. man. Yeah. Feel free. <laughs> you could have some of mine. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Just another good album. Yeah, uh, yeah. Should we play a track off this right now? Yeah, um, I was going to mention about Annie Cooney, um, this song that's on this album. Um, and that's that's kind of one of their banger tracks. Yeah, and I don't know. Did you hear the story behind it a little bit? I don't. I didn't. Uh, um, so apparently, like, it's a really old um, song that is kind of. It, 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 I don't know if it's still to this day, maybe, but it was like used as like a nursery rhyme in kindergarten, like definitely in France, like definitely like in the seventies when uh, Polo and Pam were kids, mm. or yeah, I think so. I think they're in this. I think they're seventies kids. I think, or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I, I'm aging them like. A bit. <laughs> I don't know how old they are. I don't know. Maybe eighties, but um, uh, yeah, this this track Annie Cooney apparently like has a lot of um, Native American origins as well, like mm. used by a lot of tribes. Um, and it has that kind of sound to it. Um, and it, they said it was just something that's kind of, I hadn't, I hadn't heard of it. And this Dutch guy that interviewed Paul hadn't heard of it either. Um, but uh, apparently it is really sort of popular. And there's this one track that version of it that from the seventies that they, Pilo and Pan like remembered kind of thing. And they decided to just kind of redo it because it has a sort of a lot of meaning and it's meant different things to different people for like hundreds of years kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so they decided to do a take on it in their way. Um, and I think we should probably like spin it. It's off of Cyclorama. Yeah. Um, and see what it's about. Cooney from Pilo and Pan from their album Cyclorama. Just looked it up. 
um, that or, like the original version originated from uh, tribes living in Colorado and Wyoming. Yeah, it's a Native American song. Yeah. Um, um, it was usually sung in a plaintive tone, they said, with dancers to the hymn often crying and think about, thinking about their condition of dependence. Damn. Deep shit right there. The Native Americans yeah. go hard. Yeah. Uh, I also saw, I mean, yeah, so they, Polo and Pan knew that song from a version that a Canadian artist did, mm. Madeline Chatelard. Right. Okay. So that's how they knew. Yeah, yeah. Or, or they, they knew of this version that she did. Yeah. And when they were working on this song, they originally sampled her vocal and put it on the, the work that they were doing, and it worked, they said. Uh, but then yeah. they, they eventually wanted to redo the vocal, and so they had their, their singer re-sing it. Right. Uh, yeah. um, just but, for a little background. And yeah. all, also on the choir yeah. that's, that's in, in that track, it's both of their girlfriends. Oh, wow. And, and I think, I know it's like a family choir. There's, I think their kids are on it too. But they made it sound really like it as a sample from somewhere right. else, which That's, is really cool. Yeah. I figured it was, but yeah, 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 it was both their girlfriends, their two daughters, and Victoria, their singer. Wow. Very well, cool. Because I think the other piece of serendipity about this track is before they decided to do it, um, they found out, or when they were, as they were thinking about doing it, they found out that Alex's kid was already singing it in kindergarten. Oh, right. Yeah. And so they were like, oh, well, this is meant to be, then we have to do it. And maybe she's on the recording as well, like the kid. <laughs> There's a lot of, yeah, yeah. synchronicities with Polo yeah. and Pan. Yeah, and yeah. I like how they're all about the energy and the vibes. Yeah. And like they make it work for them. And they're, they're really like, I don't know, they're manifesting stuff. They're, they're looking for yeah. stuff in the world that lead them to where they want to go. Yeah, yeah. And it's really working. Like they're yeah. making great music, yeah. making a great pro project, and affecting people in a positive way. Definitely, yeah. So, yeah, and I think Paul's like kind of talked about their rise as, as being linear, um, which I've never heard any artist talk about before. Um, usually it's like ups and downs or like roundabout or something. You have something on that. <laughs> so, no, well, let me, let me go back before. Okay. okay. I, I like what you're talking about, but I had one more comment about Annie Cooney. Okay. Because it was kind of cowboy vibes, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. It has a kind of Western sort of intro and outro and i just thought about that yeah because because yeah. cowboys is kind of like cowboys and indians is what i'm thinking uh, about and it's a native american song so yeah. is that a reference possibly because i feel like they approach a lot of their music cinematically mm -hmm. um and like that kind of the the yeah. native or the the cowboy vibes kind of set the stage for is what you're saying? Yeah, maybe? or maybe not necessarily cowboy, but like, you know, those old Western movies, mm -hmm. you know, like where visually, like when I hear that visually, I just think of those like certain areas of the US, you know, with the big like mountainscapes and stuff yeah. like that, that are really iconic in those old Western movies. Mm -hmm. You know, they all start this big landscape, super widescreen shot, and then someone on their horse would just like come into frame or something like that, yeah. looking into the distance. <laughs> this, yeah, just very... <laughs> This is the visual I get from that. I think he, he had, Paul did mention something about it, but I can't remember specifically. But he did touch on, he did describe that in one of these interviews. I think it's um, the Face, uh, I can't remember that YouTube channel, Face something. They're really popular. It's a Dutch guy. He interviews all these artists mm -hmm. um, going back for many years, and he doesn't have many followers. He has like 40,000, but I feel like he should have millions at this point. But anyway. Damn, go check them out. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, I'm sorry to interrupt you, though. No, 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 yeah. No, that was, yeah, I was going to mention that, actually, and I forgot, because it also reminded me, I don't know if you ever remember, like, the show Metallica did with the orchestra. No, years, no. Years so. ago, they, uh, they did, I think, one album, or it was either one of their albums or a selection of their tracks, Metallica, but they did it with, like, a 40-piece orchestra. Nice. And it started off with this, like, Western kind of, sound similar mm -hmm. thing the bells in the background and all that sort of stuff i mean i like yeah. it yeah, yeah. i like the western cowboy vibes yeah, yeah. it's grand mm -hmm. um but yeah that was that was off of that album cyclorama um the newest one the last album 2021 it came out and i think they sort of did it through lockdown um mm -hmm. finished it off at least i know like paul was fine with that he's like as we said earlier he's like an introvert and his goals are a lot to do with like um, his own personal goals in music. He says everything he does is kind of around like things he wants to try out or pursue mm -hmm. just within the music where he said like Alex approaches it more from, I think we said earlier, like from a performance kind of way, not, not to please people, but like to, but to think about like thinking about the, of the it, engagement, yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. are people going to like to hear this? What do people want to hear? Yeah. Yeah. What's he's thinking about it from their perspective a little bit, how, how I can thrill it. someone or right. do something. Yeah. Through the music. Exactly. Like, yeah. And, um, and yeah, like I said, like they describe their career as linear, which is interesting. Uh, uh, a steady rise, I think maybe coming out of their, uh, DJ trajectory and having that sort of following, um, and on that note, if you don't mind, yeah, because I came across something that I was unaware of. Um, but these guys have what's called a, a hero tracks. Yeah, I was going to mention that right then. So you, uh, timing is perfect. Nice. <laughs> I haven't heard about that. I mean, no, I haven't heard about that term either. No, hero so, tracks. Yeah. So I mean, I guess you have sometimes like a viral track. You mm -hmm. can describe it, and it's just like you release it, and boom, you got good energy. <clears throat> it pops off. A lot of people listening to it, and then maybe it goes down a little bit. Mm-hmm whatever yeah. but a hero track i came across and these guys definitely have some hero tracks i think a lot of most even most of their big tracks are are this hero track style thing mm -hmm. and it's just where you release a track and it, it it's it's fine enough at the release point but just over time over months and months and years it just kind of goes up and up in in streams or views yeah um until it's you know now these they have some really big tracks in the millions of listener the millions of streams type numbers um, but a hero track is something that just kind of creeps up over time um, yeah. and it, it enters different territories in the world and different, you know, it's released or algorithmically released into different areas mm -hmm. and more people listen to it and it just has a steady growth. Does that describe it pretty well? Yeah. So it's like basically like there's no marketing or promotion. It's just been released. Right. Um, and, it, and it grows like, and it's something we haven't talked about uh, or touched upon or thought about, I don't think in any episode so far is about streaming and about the algorithm aspects of streaming. Mm -hmm. Like specifically, I, I mean, I guess all of the platforms do it, but especially, especially like Spotify with how they put together like uh, your weekly playlist or whatever it is they call it, Discover mm -hmm. Weekly, is put together based on algorithms of your hit listening history kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, a lot of like Polo and Pan's tracks of of blown up in that way where they've got sort of 
promoted to someone via the algorithm and people have obviously liked it and added it to a playlist. And I think that's the other aspect of it. The more people play a track or like it or add it to a playlist or share it, the more Spotify's algorithms like, oh, this is something people like, let's promote it to more people kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, in the dance world, electronic dance world, I think this has been happening a lot. And I dare to say that's probably how you heard it as well, because it was someone's uh, Spotify uh, playlist at a restaurant or cafe or whatever. And a hundred percent. And it's, you know, and then you Shazammed it. And then now we're talking about it. So. And it, it really is. That's how it exactly yeah. happened. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speculating but i think you know that's right on the money and it is yeah it's basically viral right because it's like you can't really plan for this to happen mm -hmm. you just have to focus on making really good music and that's really the end of the day if people like it then they'll actively play it heart it add it to a playlist and and that helps the algorithm think oh yeah people want to people are liking this so yeah if people were liking it why wouldn't we we're just going to hide it now from everyone. No, they, no, don't, exactly. they don't do that. So yeah. it's, it's a very yeah. good testament to them yeah. creating great music that has serious staying power. Yeah. Like it's not just a big marketing push and mm. it's on everybody's Instagram and like, oh, I guess I'll listen to this song that's popular right now. Yeah. It's like people actually like it mm -hmm. and the algorithm is pushing it more and more because people keep sharing it and listening to it. Yeah. So it's like a real, these hero tracks, I guess it feels like it's, a very good thing for an artist obviously yeah yeah One uh, yeah i mean i think without that i don't know if they would have um i mean i think i think that's their main way of yeah getting to yeah a point where they we could talk about them on our podcast yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> the coveted spot of a roots to Grooves episode <laughs> I was, that's the joke i was making it was a joke um yeah i mean yeah i think that's kind of yeah the main thing and um you know yeah, that's just really interesting. Like the, just the fame from Spotify and, and the money aspect of it as well, which we always think is like elusive. But I think, you know, they have said themselves that they're doing great, you know, uh, with all of that stuff. They don't have to do another job, like yeah. um, just through the streaming and the shows, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're killing it for themselves, I think, you know. Um, and like you said earlier, they're like really organized about this as well. Like, did you see about their their daily studio routine like uh no yeah. fill me in um they start at noon every day and they drink a lot of coffee and make music like in the studio starting from noon they said the morning is about personal business and exercise like oh, oh i do remember coming yeah. across this i, I yeah. like that yeah that so seems do like their own thing deal with their family deal their errands or whatever exercise uh, Paul, I think I think they both mentioned this, like do a bit of running, cardio, swimming before going into the studio. And, nice. and then they write sober, or at least Paul does, like, mm -hmm. you know, so being exercised, clean energy, being fulfilled and like other things that you've taken care of in the beginning part of the day. So you can really focus on creating and writing, you know, I mean, the second half of the day. Yeah, I, yeah. I really love yeah. it. Yeah. Like it, that, it feels very comfortable for me. Like yeah. exactly what they're doing is very much my daily mm -hmm. way that I would like to go about creating as well. Yeah. It seems very comfortable. And yeah. I like the, the compartmentalization. Like let's get yeah. a bunch of stuff out of the way yeah. that will help facilitate my creativity and just facilitate my whole day, get, getting stuff done. Yeah. Cause that's the other thing I think about a lot as well. It's like, if you have something that you have to do that's on your mind, it's going to take away that 
brain space that you need to create yeah. you know it's like oh i, sh I should have done that thing oh, laundry know. yeah <laughs> my underwear exactly yeah. i'm still not wearing any no i'm just kidding yeah it's gonna be on your mind all day yeah uh, anyway <laughs> but on that note but i mean i mean where are we at that's all i got on polo and pan yeah i mean it's been a little bit of a beast of an episode we've come in just uh -huh. under an hour and a half though so no you know, that's right in our, one. it's at the far end of our sweet spot yeah uh, the longest we've we've but i mean longer but this yeah. one came out of nowhere i didn't know too much about these guys and i don't think you were super aware of these guys no not at all um so i think it was a really great it was a really fun discussion yeah like i think we learned a lot definitely yeah. and it, it kind of came out of nowhere yeah um but these guys are very cool from their their personal selves to the music they're creating the images yeah. that are synonymous with their music yeah just like really high level of thinking and like planning and structure to everything that they create yeah um and i, I really like that like from even from their da daily plans like we just finished up talking about yeah yeah like they structure that mm -hmm. they're going to create a song they structure it before they build the blueprints before yeah. lay out a plan for what they want and then they they execute on that plan yeah so i just really like the way these guys are thinking about stuff and then and and the way they build stuff very creative very cool very chill yep good energy about polo and pan i'm i'm i was happy to talk about them today yeah they got some like I feel like we haven't played some of the the more vibey uh, like Brazilian tracks. Maybe, maybe the first one, but I feel like we played a few like EDME tracks on this show. But mm -hmm. there are, they have some ones that are like for me like deep house, right? And if you've heard that genre, where it's like a bit more jazzy mm -hmm. uh, stuff. Um, but there's definitely a lot of great tracks out there. So totally. worth diving into. Yeah, yeah. Jiminy, yeah. I think we were going to play out on right. And I don't know. I'm not sure if you've really heard this yet. So, from Cyclorama, be, be surprised. So yeah, we'll see. <laughs> but it's not their latest release. I think they might have another uh, single or something released. Um, I'm not sure. I shouldn't have brought it up. My bad. Yeah, they have a single that came out in 2022, "From a World to Another," uh, featuring an artist called Jacques, who is a French artist. I think. Yeah! 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 Yeah. But very cool. So check yeah. it out. Yeah. That's all I got on Polo and Pan. If you guys want to get in touch with us for any corrections or cool stories about Polo and Pan, um, we would love to hear it. We'd love to hear anything from you. We like connecting with you guys. Thanks for being here. If you just want to get in touch with us, hit us up at the email, J. Roots to Grooves at signalradio.com. That's S-I-G-N-L radio.com.
Roots to Grooves is a production of Signal Radio. For more music and independent culture, visit signalradio.com. That's S-I-G-N-L radio.com. <laughs>